we're gonna hit you with the bars real quick Hey, quarantine life, but my flow's still sick If I had a mate, I'd have a make you lemonade And I don't need to get laid, so don't be afraid Girl, I get paid, but I'm in pain Kinda like Wayne, first name Bruce Where the hell's I made with a goddamn juice? Every day's the same, deja vu Bring in the wine, yeah, bring in the zan Pump up my songs, yeah, let's do a dance You the kind of girl that made me cancel my plans You the only girl I let a pay for only fans Driving Hey guys, episode 280, we made it. Did not think we'd get this far. Just kidding, I did. I did, unless I died, because I am DDF. I'm disciplined, I'm dedicated, I'm motivated. So, we got another comedian here. This is a, this is a guy who I, who, I, who, I, who I have not met. So, last episode we had Jordan on, who I'm familiar with. This guy, not too familiar with, but he seems to have a, a decent following. He seems to be known in the in the in the smaller scene or in the the comedy scene he uh, I did my research I seen a little bit of his uh of his material and his act and all I know is that he's a comedian he's a little older and he likes motorcycles that's all I really know so we're gonna give Mr. Joe Bando a call here says he's an open book says he'll talk about anything so let's fucking go dude Hello. Mr. Joe Bando, what is up? Hey, what's going on, man? We're here, man. I'm recording. I'm recording that this is our this is our virtual or vocal um NDA you are signing here. Just letting you know you are being recorded. So try not to give out your social or anything, your credit card info. Oh, uh, they could steal my ID. I'm good with it. <laughs> you in debt? Yeah, you know, the lockdown's ruined my life a little bit, but... Oh, really? Uh, yeah, man, uh, I don't know much about you, I don't. but thank you for reaching out. Thanks for uh, doing this. It's, it's obviously a smaller podcast, and um, all I know is that you're a comedian and you like motorcycles. It's, and and I, I, looked, like, I, I looked up your act right. a little bit, too, so kind of know okay. a little bit. Yeah. What'd you think? Pretty good. Pretty good. You seem, uh, I think I saw two videos. I saw like one eight minute set and then maybe like a 10 minute set. Um, and then I think it was mainly different material. Um, I kind of like skimmed through to see if like, Oh, maybe he's got like these hard hitting jokes, like his, his special moves that he hits or something, but I didn't look too much into it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't put a lot of, uh, energy into putting stuff online or anything like that i just throw it up there and if someone's looking for me they can find it you know what i mean right right and why is that do you do you think you're like an old school like how, how long have you been doing comedy um i started in 2019 19 right at the beginning of 2019 ah. um and yeah i just i'm a purist i guess to me it's all about the live experience between the audience the dynamics that happen from the stage to the audience yeah so that's my take on it. I I understand that. I feel I feel like because I'm kind of newer. I've been doing it for like a year and some change, and I used to kind of think, and I I guess I still kind of think you always got to put things online. It's a new world, blah blah blah. But there is something different about it the the aspect of it live that you can't catch on camera. I used to think that's a little it was a little bit of horseshit, but no, it's not. I I believe it. I believe it. Yeah, that's one of the things I love the most about it is that that engagement. There's like an energy and a dynamic between the audience and the performer, and it, it's just it can't be duplicated. 
Um, No matter how many people try to do Zoom comedy during the quote-unquote pandemic, they can never capture it the way it is live. Uh, You put quotations around that pandemic. Do you not believe in it? What's your opinion on the pandemic? Um, The lockdowns ruined a lot of people's lives. Um, I call it the plandemic or the scamdemic. I've heard that. Um, I was pretty adamant. I was pretty adamant about that right from the start. Mm. Um, I was. I had opened a comedy club about two months before the lockdowns became started in uh, Long Beach, and yeah, kind of took took my uh, took a lot out of me, man, financially and whatnot. Is but, uh, uh, is the club still open? No, I had to make a decision a couple months into the. Uh, pandemic whether or not i wanted to stay open and owe all this money later on when we finally did open back up or you know just cut loose and get out of my lease and 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 pivot so um that's what i decided to do i decided to just pivot and i got a job and you know once all the stuff opened back up and that's i've been selling harleys ever since so i try to do sales nice nice Um, how um how how familiar are you with with the bay area comedy scene uh, the comedy scene, I'm not very familiar, but I lived in the Bay Area for 10 years, so I uh, I, I lived in Alameda, so I have a lot of uh, very um, close Bay Area ties. Mm. Um, like, I, I was just watching one of your videos a few minutes ago, um, and you're over there at uh, what was formerly Scobie's, or as we used to call it, Skaties, but that's the Alameda Comedy Club now. Oh, wow. See, I, I didn't know that, but that's I'm glad you mentioned that because that's what I was going to mention, the Alameda Comedy Club. See, as uh, how I knew it, I thought it opened during the during the pandemic. I thought I think it opened in 2020, but I, did, did, yeah. I didn't know it was previously a, another club before that. Yeah, it was like a sports bar. I used to, do you know the Lucky 13? I think so. I think of, yeah. I think I've heard of it. It's one of the most popular bars in Alameda, right on Park Street. Um, okay. And Park and Ensignal. And I used to run, the, I was the head of security there for a lot of years. Oh. Um, I actually started a security company from there. Like, that was that was my first account. And uh, I had a company called Die Hard Security Solutions. And we used to do security all over the Bay Area. Like, I mean, most bars, nightclubs. Um, the Oakland A's were one of my accounts at one point. I mean, I built it up to quite a ridiculous level. I had like 250 employees Wow! and uh, I had an office on Bay Farm, like a suite of offices actually. It was pretty big. Um, And I sold that after working like 90 hour work weeks. I I expanded. I had to get the hell out of the Bay Area because it was just too much for me after a while. Okay. Um, My wife, my wife was like accosted on BART once and uh, some issues. She had an office down in Market and Fifth and, uh, we just decided that she's from Orange County, so we decided to move back down south. And uh, I expanded my company down here, and then I decided that I was out of it. Somebody bought me out, basically. Okay. So that worked, and then I just didn't know what to do with myself, so I decided to become a stand-up comedian. <laughs> well, so you said you started 2019. So basically you did, I mean, ballpark. You did. You, you were doing comedy for about a year, and then you started to, or you, you opened a comedy club. Huh, that's kind of ballsy. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm entrepreneurial at heart, so that's who I am. So I started getting into it, and I was like, "Well, if I want to do this, like, let me go hard with it, um, and let me let me turn turn a business around." And we had we had a couple of good shows. My my club is called Therapeutic Noise. Um, it was in Long Beach, 
Um, we did a show like Jeremiah Watkins headline once. I had Paula Bell headline once. Oh, wow. Um, I was about to have George Perez was my next slated headliner. Sarah Halstead and a couple others we were going to do. And, uh, and uh, the, the nonsense happened and, you know, changed everything. So. Yeah. I feel it, like you're... It was, uh, I feel like you're a rare breed, at least on like surface level. I feel like everybody thinks Californians and we're, we're labeled as like liberals and democratic that I feel like people were on the side of wear a mask and, and you're on the, you're on the opposite side of it. It's like, Oh, this is bullshit. Cause personally for me, yeah. when it first started, I, man, I fell for, it. I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to admit it. I really thought it was the end of the world. When I went into the grocery stores and there was nothing on the shelves, I started thinking, oh man, this is, this might get worse. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. I actually believe in science. So right off the bat, which is a stupid statement to say I believe in science, but my wife is a doctor. My wife has her PhD. She's a psychologist. She's a research psychologist. And, mm. you know, we live in this space of like wellness and there was just too many inconsistencies right off the bat. Like, oh, like make wear a mask, but like there's really no standards for what masks we can wear. A bandana works, okay. So yeah. I can take this dirty bandana out of my back pocket, put it over my face, and we're good. I'm yeah. sorry, that just means it's all bullshit. You know what I mean? Right. right. Um, and I've been a conspiracy theorist for the most part since the '90s, and uh, I've kind of watched it all come to fruition. I don't see them as theories anymore, a lot of them. So I thought that was something that we've been, I've been told stuff like this, this, this pandemic, this stuff was going to happen at some point. They were going to put something in, into effect anyway. So hmm. um, I'm also very, very wellness minded, right? So, you know, I'm big into yoga, I'm big into meditation, breath work. And, you know, I, I took it upon myself about 10 years ago to change my life. I lost 110 pounds, reverse type 2 diabetes and gout and oh, wow. all these other things. So it didn't make sense to me that the only thing they were talking about was hiding, masking up and vaccines when 78% of people with so-called COVID were hospitalized, were obese, right? But right, it's right. okay to to eat garbage and, and, and shove sugar in your, in your mouth. Like none of that made sense to me from a common scientific sense. You know what I mean? So let, let me ask you this. Um, would you, are you a religious person? I'm very spiritual. Um, I believe all religions say basically the same thing. Um, but it, through interpretation from man and, and organizations, they've been, it's been a, a lot of them have been co-opted and subverted to control the populace. Yeah, yeah, I do believe in that a little bit. It's a lot of business that goes on with it, too. Right. I think they're all saying the same thing, that the power is inside of us, right? Like, that's what yeah. I really think. Christianity, Buddhism, all that stuff is. Um, I meditate twice a day, uh, minimum, um, and really try to... You know, before the podcast, I did a guided meditation. I was laying back and Put myself in a nice brainwave state. I want to into what I call sourced. I want to circle back to meditation, but uh, I want to ask one more okay. thing about diabetes. Um, gout, gout. Um, how does like how exactly? I know I could probably just Google this, but I want to hear it from somebody who's actually had it. I think my dad has gout. Like, there's a couple times he would like call out of work and be like, "My gout's acting up." But yeah. I guess me, I'm worrying. As I get older, like, fuck, am I developing gout? Like, what are the early signs of gout? And, like, what's it feel like? 
Um, gout is the most agonizing pain I've ever been in in my life. It's mm. like horrifying. It's it's what it is is it's a it's a it's a buildup of uric acid. Once the uric acid hits a certain level in the bloodstream, um, it shoots down into your feet because of gravity. Mostly, it's your feet, your knees, some of your joints. It gets the, the uric acid gets embedded in there, and when it hits a certain level, it crystallizes, and so it turns into these needle-shaped crystals, and then the swelling is just insanity i mean it's just so painful so thing like you could take all the opiates or whatever you want and none of it will help that like painkillers don't work mm. so it's a sharp pain would you say um it's it, it could be like a throbbing aching swelling pain okay um, in some cases it could be sharp like they're there's really nothing you can do. I mean, mm. you hear gout sufferers saying like just putting a sheet on their, on their, on their foot when they have a gout attack is so painful. And that was what the, the gout was, which was what uh, got me to uh, really change my life and my eating habits and everything. Cause I was very obese. What's, um, what's your diet like now? What did you, what did um, you change from? Was it just terrible McDonald's from the jump and then you switched to yeah. It was terrible. McDonald's, Carl's Jr. from the jump. I used to drink two two liters of soda. I worked in bars, so I drank a lot of beer and, and liquor on a regular basis. And then I changed everything. I went keto at first. Shout out to uh, Symmetry Health Center in Alameda. My friend Cindy Boyd, she's the one who really helped me out. Um, she's a chiropractor and a nutritionist, and like she really helped me out get to the to the keto lifestyle. And that was in 2013. And then a few years later. Um, after losing about 65 pounds, I went straight hard carnivore, and I've been doing that for five years now. I don't eat vegetables. I don't eat fruit. I don't eat grains of any kind. I just eat meat. I fast. How I many eat. years? Five years? Five years now, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. I'm in the greatest health of my life. My labs are amazing. Um, so yeah, car carnivore is better than keto, you'd say, huh? Um, yeah, carnivore to me is like... It's yeah, well, especially today's version of keto, because keto's gotten co-opted by the corporations as well, and people think they're doing keto and they're eating all these keto snacks and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, carnivores, like to me, it's like the, the 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 proper human diet is carnivore. It's it's very paleolithic. You think about how our ancestors used to eat. We were like hunter gatherers and things when we were probably at our most optimal metabolic health. You know, we would feast. We would we would fast. So we would yeah. we would go days without eating while we were hunting and still have enough energy to hunt because then we need the saturated fat it would keep us, um, you know, protein and and fat would keep us nice and satiated and give us all that we needed to, to maintain our optimal health. Yes. So that's just kind of simplifying and going back to kind of how man once was, you know, very paleo. Yeah. So, yeah, some people would say like, are you look at our teeth? Like the way our teeth are kind of designed, yes. it's like it's meant for meat. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're against the vegan diet, like completely, or is there even just a way where you could get around and it works? Or do you think vegan diet, vegetarian diet, is just super unhealthy? Or maybe I it works. There's a reason. I think there's a reason all those vegans are angry, and it's because of the gut microbiome connection to our brain. <laughs> um, there, there, there's entirely too many people doing the vegan diet that end up, you know, in severe metabolic dysfunction. And then they end up when they go, a lot of them go back and they go and start eating meat again. Usually they start with fish or something. And then it's amazing the turnaround. Um, I wouldn't say that there's one diet for everybody. I think we're all bio individual. 
but I will say that all humans should be consuming animal products. Uh, how about this? What um, what type of meat do you think is the worst for you? I'll start. I, I think pork is probably the most unhealthy for you, but what do you think? Uh, I have no I have no problems with pork. It, to me, it's about where, is, in, in this regards, all meat. Like, where is it coming from? How is it sourced? You know, I source my meat pretty pretty it's pretty important to me how it's sourced so i go to the butcher shop and i know what where they're getting their meat from mm. so i think the industrialization of food has is really the problem i think we need more like regenerative agriculture should be is the key to really saving the planet and saving our health yeah. so you know free range free grazing animals and i think that's the key no tyson's so chicken huh no, no, none of that shit. I don't really eat out. I very rarely eat out. Um, I allow myself on occasion if I'm with somebody socially or something to maybe do a little something. But the hard thing with eating out, I think the number one killer for all of humans is um, vegetables and vegetable oil and seed oils. I think that's probably our number one problem in our culture. Hmm. Vegetable oil everywhere that's not fit for human consumption, in my opinion. That's interesting, man. Maybe I could use this to segue into my next questions or topics about comedy because I'm kind of big in the comedy lately. Uh, How often, because I don't know your schedule really, you seem like you've got a following and and you you get work. Um, Like how often are regularly are you doing comedy a week or something like that, ballpark? Um, I get up probably no less than four nights a week. As many, as many as possible, at least doing if, if doing open mics if nothing else. Um, hmm. Lately, with the sales, I've been I've been working a lot, so shows are a little rough because I live in Orange County and LA is like an hour away with no traffic. So, but mostly I'm in Hollywood. I'm in LA doing hmm. comedy. And how's that? Well, I guess you're only experience. It's a hit or miss. Yeah. It's a hit or miss for me, bro. I got banned from a freaking club the other night, so that was awesome. Oh, what what happened? Oh, I did trans jokes and didn't realize eighty percent of the people in the room were trans, and they do not—they <laughs> do, not, do not have a sense of humor about oh, themselves. Wow, they're probably vegan so. too. Yeah, yeah, they look malnourished. That's weak, so probably. That's that's not really a loss, I guess. Yeah, out here in the no, Bay Area, not. there's—I mean, there's a lot of that going on here, and I have. Oh my God, dude! There's this. I don't really use this word much on my podcast, but I'll—I'll I'll break the rule just this one good time. I say it like it's in my head. Sometimes I just because we have like open mics and shows that are mainly centered around uh, LGBTQ plus trans people. And it's basically like no dudes allowed, no cisgender men allowed or whatever. And sometimes I just want to pretend to be gay or something or just find a way to weasel my way into one of those open mics and just open up with good evening faggots and just (laughs) see how that works out. Um, yeah, it probably wouldn't go well for you. So, yeah, but um, I wouldn't go back there. I mean, I don't know. Just a piss. I guess I get satisfaction out of pissing people off, like a trolling kind of thing I got going on. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. But at the same time, like it's nice. It's nice to know where I'm not wanted because I don't need to waste my time in front of those people. Like, True you know, that. and I and I hate I hate being like I blame the audience because that's like something you're not supposed to do as a comic. But I think we're so polarized as a society right now that like if I'm not welcome on your shows, then I don't really want to do them. Uh, yeah. I, this woman who put me on this show, the D Cups of Comedy, this Joanne Scorcia, she puts on this D Cups of Comedy in LA. I, 
when she asked me to do the show, I was shocked because it's like she's seen me at many open mics. She knows my comedy. I know her platform. Yeah. And I went and did it, and I was going to be myself. And then she like chastised me afterwards Jeez. in a message, and it was like, what? You you know my jokes. Why would you even yeah. want me on your show? Maybe she wanted to put it's a hit out on sense. you or something, or like she wanted to make herself look good to like trash you or oh, something. Oh, she made herself. She made herself look bad with a few people. I don't know if you know who Mike Giratore is. Mike's uh, the serial killer of comedy. He was hosting the show that night. He's he's a trip, but uh, they had a falling out because she tried to drag him into the shit with me, and I'm like, wow. And then he called me up. He's like, I told her to fucking fuck off. <laughs> what do you What do you mean by What do you mean by serial killer of comedy? <laughs> that's just his, that's his moniker. Mike goes by that. That's just what he calls himself, the serial oh. killer of comedy. Like he's a, he's the ultimate killer. Oh. He's funny as hell. He's politically incorrect. Um, he's been doing comedy for a long time. Everybody knows Mike out here in LA. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you can look him up on Instagram and follow him. The serial killer of comedy. He's great. Hmm. You know, he's very, he's bringing East Coast guy from Connecticut. Like he's just pretty, pretty awesome. So right. shout out to Mike for having my back with that shit too. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a look him up. Um, but back to what you were saying about like the crowds and how it's kind of a rule how you're not supposed to blame the crowds. I I kind of disagree with that. But here's like my reasoning. Uh, you know who Shane Gillis is? I love Shane. So I just I'm kind of new to even figuring out about him. It took almost like a year for me to like really get into him. Um, I'm, I don't know much comics. I'm, I'm kind of a guy like I don't wa- I don't consume much standup comedy. I'm pretty surface level. Um, like you could name certain big names and I've probably, I know the names, but I've never seen a lick of their, their standup. But I did look at Shane Gillis's latest Netflix special and I liked it. It was pretty good. Um, but from the jump, I just noticed like, look at everybody in the crowd that looks just like Shane like I was watching it with my girl and she's like, look at all these receding fat white, these receding hairline fat white guys. And so when I think of that, I, and like, you know, the jokes are killing. I'm pretty, um, uh, versatile. Isn't the word I'm saying. Uh, I, I, I just respect comedy. Like I get it. I don't really feel like I have much of a brand that I look for when I consume it. And, but it was in my head a little bit of like, man, yeah, he's killing it. Of course, it's his special and everything. You want it to be looking as good as possible. But some of these jokes, I was like, these would not, these would not kill in a certain room. And so I always just think a big part of being a quote unquote successful comedian when it comes to like business and stuff is it really is finding your crowd and finding like people who relate to you. Like me, I know I'm new, but I've got this goal in my head of like, I don't want to. I don't want to be too much of a people pleaser and get into my head of like, oh, what are the people going to like? It's more of like, I want to find people who relate to what I'm going to say, just being me, you know, and that, that that's my way of trying to find a crowd. I don't really want to be too much of, do you like me? Do you like me? Like trying to get, I just want to... I don't know. I guess I, I communicate, of course. Like that's what I'm working on. Trying, kind of like how I'm trying to communicate my fucking thoughts right now. <laughs> but that's my goal. I don't well, want to change for people. Sense. That makes sense. I mean, you have to realize you are in, you know, and even me in LA, we are in bubbles. We are in bubbles. The rest of the country doesn't think like this. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a. It just seems like it because 
those same bubbles are still amplified in the internet space. So we feel like the, that's the mainstream, right? That most people are, you know, trans rights are human rights and blah, 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 blah. But the reality yeah. is that's like such a small part of the population. They just have serious amplifiers. Yeah. So like I did find, like there, I have so many friends in the Bay Area. I lived up for 10 years. They want me to come up and do comedy. I have zero interest in going up there. You know, like it just doesn't strike me as fun. Have you I ever done it show. or no? I did oh. I did one show in like Livermore or something okay. at a pizza place to five people with uh do you know who Mean Dave is? Uh-huh. Yep. I did a show with Dave him once. And I go, Dave and I go way back. Okay. Um like when I used to go to I used to put on metal and doom metal shows all over the Bay Area when I was, when I lived up there. So I've known him for a long time and I did a show that he put on and it was fine. I mean, I sucked. It was like, it was like a month and a half into comedy. So it was terrible. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, it was a good experience. But yeah, I mean, aside from that, do you know Sean Boyles? Yes. I've also done a show with him. Um, long hair, right? Dreads. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Long dreads. Yeah. So Sean, I used to book, he used to have a band called Hellbeard back in the day. I, I booked them, I think a couple times at like Eli's mile high club and a couple of places. And, uh, I actually, he actually played, he, he was one of the last shows that we did at my club and, uh, Long Beach. Like I had Sean came down to LA and I booked him and we had, we had a great show. Mm. And, uh, I liked Sean, but then we had a falling out during the lockdowns because of polarizing issues. Oh. I really didn't want to, associate with people who are putting black squares on their page <laughs> <laughs> dude oh my god it's so funny that you mentioned that because i was thinking of that today i i literally wrote it fucking down as like a possible bit but you're on the opposite side of it so oh it's gonna be a, i want you to hear it but yeah sean uh at, the first time i met him the first thing that came to me and my girl's mind was corn so every time we see <laughs> him at a show we're like corn's playing i'm gonna be on the show with corn and i <laughs> um Oh, but the blacks, the blacks, oh man, it's crazy that that's something that like upset you and possibly ended a relationship. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be lots, lots, lots of my Bay Area friends, bro. Like that was, Dude, that was one of the most polarizing things. Ever. I hope that I hope you don't get off my podcast because I'm a, I'm a play devil's advocate a little bit because I, oh, no, I'll it. admit it. I put the black square up. All right. I put the black square up on my Instagram. It's probably still there, but it's just buried under the other hundreds of things that I've put up. And, um, I wrote it down today. I forgot what it, I don't have it on me, but it was just kind of like, Man, like, how racist do you got to be to end a friendship with somebody just because they put a black... How hard is it to put a black square up, you know? Like, you're not even really taking a picture... Take a picture of your hand, put it up. And even if... Like, even if you... um, How do I say it? I feel like there's people who put black squares up that were still racist, you know? It was just kind of a, like, just do it, you know, <laughs> kind of a thing. And... Um, That's probably a funny joke in the right circles. Yeah, it's it's some it's some yeah, it's somewhere in there. Yeah, it's probably a good Bay Area joke, but it's like I don't I don't pick sides. Like I I don't know if I'm coming off as a fucking liberal or whatever. I don't I've oh, never fine, dude. I have no judgments. Like, I've never I, voted. I don't yeah, and I don't really judge too. I just but I'm still curious and try to pick things apart as, as why certain people really lean hard into how they are or whatever. Um um Man, I'm just, I don't know, I'm stuck. It's funny that you bring up that black squares because I was thinking of it today. And I think what influenced that with me, there was a comedian who was 
kind of bashing on people who were bringing up black squares and it killed. But I was like, I want to take the opposite route and just be mad at the people who are mad at the black squares. But I, don't know, I feel like there's something in there. And then I wasn't mad at the people who had the black squares. I understand what it's like to be a shit. I mean, I think we all were <laughs> um, at some time. But like to me, I saw it as like part of the greater problem. I mean, I just see it for what it is. It's it's the de- it's divisive and it's designed to be divisive and it's spewing and you're standing up behind a false narrative. This idea that cops are just out there executing black people is is a lie. It's not statistically accurate. Um, you know, George George Floyd was a piece of shit, and I think he's better off dead. I think the world's better off without him. He asked to get killed, like he was on fentanyl. He was attacking, like he was a criminal. Um, yeah. You know, like I just I didn't I didn't see this guy as a martyr. Like I, I don't see it as a martyr. I, sure, it's, I guess I'm fortunate when people die. Um, then at the same time, it's like we all want to be equal. That's the only time we're truly equal is in death. So. What are we so afraid of? I don't know. There's, there's a bunch of different perspectives there. You but see, I feel like it's, I feel like it's the, it, it, the people who were abiding by that whole thing were um, you, what the communists used to call useful idiots, right? People who are doing the work for the, the greater party that's trying the pawns. to take over. Yeah, they're trying to try and, yeah, and we're seeing it all happen now. We're seeing, I grew up in the 90s. I grew up in Ohio. That's where I'm from. I'm from Cleveland, you know, and like, I was kind of, I'm Italian from Cleveland. I was kind of raised, raised to be racist. And I, you know, wasn't like, I was the black sheep in my family at the time in the nineties. Like I, I learned to be what's called colorblind, you know, like I judge you based on you as an individual, your actions, your behaviors and how you treat people. And then now if you're saying you're colorblind, you are actually like, that's seen as racist. So the, the shit's gotten so backwards. So I don't know. I don't see it. I mean, I'm 47 years old too. So I come from a different generation right. and uh, I just see it as, as, as so divisive, you know? And then I was there like when, uh, what was that guy's name? Oscar Grant. Remember Oscar Grant? Yeah. Uh, Remember Fruitville. The, the guy Fru- got, Fruitville station. Got, yeah. The guy who got shot and killed at Fruitville station. So I owned a security company in the Bay Area during that stuff. And I, I watched somebody I know get hit in the head with a hammer by a protester because they were trying to protect a small business. Oh, you know, like a liberal person. Like get smashed in the head with a hammer and almost died. You know, I witnessed that. I was there. I was protecting businesses on friggin' Broadway and uh and fourteenth and that whole area of time during those riots back when Antifa was actually called Black Block back then or whatever. So, I mean, I've, I've been there in the ground zero for some of those things, and I just think they're all part of a greater plan to destabilize our country and eradicate the Constitution and capitalism and all the wonderful things that this country is built on and truly eradicate our freedoms. And then all these people are useful idiots. Yeah, see, that's where I draw the line. I'll, I'll, I'll post a black square, but I'm not showing up to a rally. Um I had a buddy who's black and he's never been to a rally or anything. And he had a buddy who was Asian, who was like going to the rallies. I think he got like pepper sprayed or something. He's like, I'm doing this for you, bro. Like, and and he was all like, why why don't you go out, man? This is a, this is a humanities thing. This is really serious. And all my friends response to like, are you really doing it for me? Are you doing it for like clout? You doing it just to feel 
like feel like you're on the right side of history is what the racists would say some of them <laughs> um, it's it's all it's all about virtue signaling to me that's what i see yeah. it as same with the mask like dude i get it like you don't need the mask you don't need the joe biden sticker on your car like, i get it you hate trump whatever like it's it, it's more of what it is at this point and the same it's the same thing so it's all connected as far as i'm concerned i'm sorry the virus is so dangerous that you know we trump rallies are bad but then black lives matter all of a sudden the virus is like no no we're, we're this is good we're not gonna come out and kill anybody like, it didn't make any sense there was you a know? comic i wish i could name him so i like quote him correctly but there's a comic who said isn't it crazy how um um we just needed russia to go to war with ukraine to end the pandemic um you're 100 percent right did do you uh you hear what's going on in in is it philadelphia you hear that i saw oh, that yeah. this morning i don't know i actually don't know what's i guess somebody was wrongfully killed by the police and now they're going crazy um, yeah that's that's probably from what i've gathered i don't think wrongfully is the right word for that one i think somebody was like i think another criminal was killed by white police and he was black and mm. whatever and that that's that's the take i got on it um but yeah, apparently they need to go loot like coach stores and shit to to, to fight against the man. I, it, none of it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy how I don't know, man. Timing is everything. Like if whatever happened in Philadelphia happened three years ago, that would have been the new George Floyd. But we're so kind of desensitized. Uh, things are coming at us quick, and it's just. I don't know. I feel like it, it's not really big news unless you're in Philadelphia or maybe I'm part of the people that just kind of our attention spans are so, so short that we just kind of, yeah. we just kind of turn our eye and look at something else. So, and I've been, I think I mentioned this not too long ago on this show about um, celebrities dying. Like I remember it just, it just feels like there was, like Kobe Bryant, that was the really big one. And everybody, like, it felt like a big part of America was mourning. And then, I don't know, uh, Chadwick Bossman from Black Panther. And then more and more, and of course, everybody dies. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I think Pee Wee Herman just died recently. It just seems like more and more celebrities die every day. And we're just getting more and more used to it. And it's, uh, I don't know. Because we're so, we're so interconnected. We have, like, so much technology. I mean, there was a time where we wouldn't know everything that went on, you know, in real time, like we do now. So it does lead to some desensitization because we have like, you know, overload of information overload. Yeah. And, uh, that's, that's why you need to meditate. That's when meditation comes in handy, right? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, you have to, you know, what's real, you know, what is real in the real world versus this virtual world that we're in? You know, like look what happened. To, like, there's a whole generation now that's just going to be raised, that are being raised on these devices, and like they're missing out on like the physical reality, which is the beauty of being a human being. Mm-hmm. We're only here for such a short amount of time. Like you got to have physical, and that was to me the most disturbing part of the of the lockdowns was, you know, we are social creatures. You know, like. I mean, that is like psychology one-on-one. We need pe- people need people. We need social interaction. And then to like put, shove people in their homes, make them eat, you know, DoorDash and, and, <laughs> and watch their devices. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. none of that was good for anybody. You have a whole generation now that are, that are growing up that have communication problems and stuff because of masks, like children, 
you know, developing like autistic tendencies, spectrum tendencies because of masking and being at home and not interacting with other children. It's fucking terrible. I had a thought a couple of weeks ago too, actually. Um, you don't, you don't really see older autistic or down syndrome, like people, but I feel like there's more and more young ones, you know? Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Like growing up, you're 47. You, did you really have too, there was, there probably wasn't too many autistic people growing up, huh? I had two autistic brothers that went to school with me, Steve and Mike Gonzola. They were awesome. They were just like, if anybody fucked with them, they would get annihilated. We, we took care of those guys, man. And they were in our school. And they were like older. Like they, they were like, in their 20s. Like bro- brothers like as in black guys or brothers as in your no, no. actual brothers? <laughs> no, no, actual brothers. Oh, God. Even God. Mike Gonzola. They were, they, were, they were Italian guys. But man, Steve, you can walk up to Steve and, and just say, hey, Steve. And he'd say, Joe Bando. And he'd start telling you your address. Like, he memorized the phone book. <laughs> Just fucking doxing like was, you, dude. And then my cousin, I have two cousins who played professional baseball. One for the Oakland A's in the 70s has three World Series rings. Oh, wow. Um, well, he did before he passed away last year. But Sal Bando, he was the third baseman, 72, 73, 74 World Series. And uh, Steve could, they were baseball nuts, these guys. And Steve would start reciting all of the statistics for both of my cousins who play professional ball. Like if wow. you just went up and talked to him and then that was it. So I had those two guys and they were like an anomaly. And then the movie Rain Man was the first time society ever really heard about autistic people. Yeah. And I think that was the first time I really remember it being kind of a social thing was Rain Man. And, um, I mean, I think, you know, vaccines, um, you know, plastics, BPA, all these different things in our in our water, fluoridation of the water. I think our food system is making people very sick. Um, that's a big one. I mean, I think one of the biggest conspiracies against humankind in this country is that um, the FDA, I think the Food and Drug Administration should not be the same entity. I think that's a complete miscarriage of justice right there. Mm. Like, uh, if food can make you sick or make you heal, and they want drug like it's it's all circular. You can't have the two be the same entity. That's crazy. So um, I feel yeah. like sick sick people would... makes money, right? You know, they well, want people on these med. Right? Yeah, you want people on these medications and stuff. My goal when I, I get have... old is I don't I don't I want to take as least medication as I possibly can. I don't take medicine. I don't take aspirin. I don't take ibuprofen. I don't take any of that shit. I don't I don't believe in it. There's plenty of things in nature. Like we are. We are of nature, and nature has everything we need. Do you, you take know, so. um? What do you think about like multivitamins? You take multivitamins, or are you one of those people who think you get enough or from your from your food? I get enough from my food. I think. Got I it. think. I think. I think uh, to eat enough like meat and uh, beef, especially, but also like eating things like liver and different organ meats have a lot of different nutrients. Um, I think our water supply is is really shitty too. I think it's really. We're lacking in hydrogen. I was just listening to a podcast the other day about that. I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm. So um, I work on getting a new water system in my house because right now the one I got, I don't think it's good enough. So, but I think I think we're purposely poisoned to make us better consumers, right? Yeah. Think about it, like one of the healthiest things that a human being can do is fast, right? I'm I'm fascinated with fasting. I'm actually a certified fasting coach. I'm a certified carnivore coach as well. But fasting is 
the key to longevity in a lot of ways, right? We're constantly consuming. And fasting is so good for us. But what happens when we fast? We consume literally nothing. Why would any corporation or any government entity ever promote something like fasting that isn't you consuming stuff? It's the opposite of that. Right. So it's 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 interesting. I, I, I participate in the fasting. I try to. Uh, I do believe in it. I feel like you need your body to kind of run on fumes every now and then. Um, Without a doubt. Um, I had a question. I, I, I just lost it. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, you're good. This is interesting stuff. Um, something about diet, I feel like. Uh, I don't have the best diet, but I, I'm, trying, I'm trying my best to work on it and Little by you little. Look like you're, you look like you're in good physical shape, but at the same time, sometimes that can be misleading, right? If you're yeah. lean and you're muscular and you're in your ripped or whatever, and then you don't realize, and then next thing you know, you're 52 dying of cancer. Yeah, you could. Yeah, I, I, you could be lean, but uh, maybe you're susceptible to things like certain cancers or whatever. But yeah, I think heart disease runs on uh, one side of my family. Um, I think of my dad's had a triple bypass. My, the person I'm named after Marconi, my, uh, my grandpa died of a heart attack. Um, I think my, my grandma, my uncle had bypasses and I think my aunt all from my dad's side. So I worry about that, but my dad's excuse is always, well, we just didn't have the technology back then. We didn't know. We didn't know. But now that we know you should, you should be on your shit and they just ate shitty but i just it just gives me that extra layer of paranoia of like oh man i gotta be more careful and then it got me thinking about the whole gout thing and i was asking about that because um my toe's been acting up my toe for like the past year it just feels stiff like it just feels like it needs to be cracked and i know it varies like you said knees it could be both feet but it's just this one specific um toe and I always yeah, to- toes worry. are number one place to manifest. Yeah, in your toe. yeah, but it, so but you can physically see it, right? When the gout starts, um, like you swell up, or can you it, be when in it, when it flares? When you have a flare, it hmm. starts swelling, and yeah, it'll swell up. I mean, the worst attack I ever had that made me change my diet was I had it in both feet. My feet looked like mini footballs; like it was ridiculous. Oh. They were both fucking. Could you like swollen. feel them pulsating? Oh my God, you have no idea. I can't, you can't really explain the pain. It is so horrifying. And I'm, I have a pretty good threshold for pain, but man. So I'm sorry if I'm asking so many questions. I feel like this basic stuff that people should know, but is it like when you get gout and you have a flare up, like you were just talking about, is it, is it like overnight? Like you could be fine one day, then out of nowhere, your shit's just swollen and on fire. Yeah, more common, more often than not, it'll happen in the middle of the night while you're sleeping. Uh. I don't really understand why. I think it has to do with like your body's kind of unrest. What I would say is most people probably who have gout probably have um, kidney issues. Their kidneys aren't filtering out the excess uric acid enough. That would I, so that's where I would say the um, underlying issue is 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 kidney function. You ever have a kidney stone? Um, no, I've not. My brother has. My brother has, though. Hmm. I think I would have been on my way to kidneys because it's very similar. Uric acid and in, in gout, that's what you know. Uric acid crystals and 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 then uric acid in your kidney stones, and it's the same kind of metabolic issue. Um, I think if I hadn't changed my 
my lifestyle it would have manifested in that way, that regard at some point. Thank God, my brother had it was really bad. He was miserable, but he's never had gout. Uh, I think I so interesting. I think kidney stones should be worse than gout. I hear kidney stones are some of the worst pain uh, oh, any man yes. can go through. Supposed um, to be bad. So. Yeah, I um, yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm just asking these questions because I feel like I'm playing this game of I don't know if my lifestyle is causing gout, and I'm gonna have a rude awakening in the future if I keep it up, or I'm just paranoid and I'm just. I would say if it's lifestyle, like the, the number one thing to do is watch your sugar intake and your carb intake. Okay. Carbs are basically sugar. Like our body reacts to carbs and sugar the exact same way. But I think some of the worst things for to lead to things like gouters, like high fructose corn syrup, so and beer. Beer is really bad for it. People will say meat, but meat is a trigger, not a cause. There's a difference between a trigger and a cause. So once you're gonna have gout, you know, meat might trigger a flare. Mm. But I think the the main culprit is probably like high fructose corn syrup, vegetable and seed oils. And uh, sugar, 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 sugar. My best advice to anybody would be eat real food. And as close to nature, as close to one ingredient as possible. Is there uh, is there carbs in meat? Here's another dumb question. I know there's no sugar no. in meat, but no carbs. No, there's, no, no. there's no carbs in... Um, I notice, and, and no. tell me this, I notice with meat, like... Um, I don't know if I had a uh, if I had a uh, a bag of beef jerky, and I I'm 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 thinking a bag of beef jerky has less calories than like a bag of Lay's potato chips, right? So, yeah, I don't I don't really focus on calories, but yeah, oh, probably okay. true. But well, I would say I would say what kind of beef jerky are you eating? Jack Links. Um, no. <laughs> there's, there's, there's sugar in it. Right. Yeah. All, I know. All um, beef jerky has some kind of sugar in it. Okay. It's got all sorts of xanthan gum and all this other. Right. You know, one mm. thing I'd watch out for natural flavors. That just means there's chemicals in your food. Mm. Um, a lot of bad shit. And but, a lot of processed. Okay. Like a steak. Like if I go to the store and get like just a regular ribeye. And I make it myself at home, and I don't know about the ingredients when it comes to something like that. Um, but I I notice when I like I like I like carbs with my steak. Like for me, I'm I'm pretty normal. You know, if I had a steak, I want some I want some mashed potatoes with it, maybe some rice or something. But there's some times where I'm in a pinch, and I'm like, fuck it, we're just gonna eat steak and be carnivore. And I almost every single time I just eat steak, I get. It, it, it just goes right through me. Like I'm, I'm hungry after like an hour or something. Like I don't feel full, but I feel like that's just my body being dependent on the carbs and sugar yes. and it's craving that. Yeah, and, absolutely. I mean, you have to realize like, first of all, our brain reacts to carbs and sugar, just like it, it does for cocaine, right? It, that mm-hmm. literally lights up the same spots in an MRI. You can see the same spots light up as a cocaine addict. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, you think about the brain activity regarding that, but also like, you know, not feeling satiated. Yeah, your body is, is accustomed to that stuff. So what I would say the thing about the carnivore diet is it's known as the ultimate elimination diet. So you're eliminating all that other stuff. And yeah. it takes weeks, sometimes a month before you get past like these withdrawal symptoms and all the other things associated with carbon sugar consumption. So it's not 
gonna it's gonna feel like that right off the bat, right? Like fasting is probably harder for you because you consume carbs. I can go in and out of a fast like nothing. I have no headaches, no withdrawal symptoms. I feel amazing at a fast. Like I love fasting. But a lot of people try it and they're on the standard American diet and it's hard it's way harder. You know, carbs and sugar are designed to make you hungry and store fat. So if you're consuming carbs and sugar, that's what it's doing. Yeah, man, I, I feel like that's my biggest hurdle. Like I want to be where you're at just to feel it. Like sometimes I wish there was like a pill that I could take that flushes out all of the fucking carbs and everything that comes with it and just feel like how I would feel if I get through all those withdrawals. Oh, uh, you'd be missing out on the best part, which is the psychological. Like part. earning it, huh? Yeah. I got dude, you. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. I did the longest fast I've ever done water only. It was nine days. Nine days? And, and yes. Wow. And that was fucking epic. And just for me, the psychological benefits of just pushing past and being able to have enough willpower to withstand urges that are like just so base physiology, physiological, you know? Right. Like primal, like eat it and just being able to just push past it and get through. It's just so amazing psychologically. And then you're building that muscle. That, that willpower muscle, that discipline. Discipline is everything. Discipline, consistency, willpower. These are all key components to being a strong, you know, effective, productive man in society. I envy it, dude. I feel like I'm a white belt when it comes to this kind of stuff. But I, it's, I, I, I feel like I at least have the mindset for it. Because some of the stuff that we talked about, people have no idea about. Right. I feel like I'm at least making it known that I'm aware of it. I'm a, I'm at least aware of knowing what I'm doing is bad. And I guess that's the first step. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say, you know, it's like, you know, take away the judgments, bad, good, whatever. Like, mm. is it effective to reaching the goals and being the person you want to be? Probably oh, not. Yeah. So yeah. do effective things. Right. I think we yeah. get caught up in these judgments and then that becomes a spiral that keeps us where we, where we don't want to be. And so I think the key is to recognize, Hey, respect the process. It's a process. Everybody starts from somewhere yeah. and then just take it. You know, you gotta remember like change happens, you know, in small, you know, achievable increments. Right. So take one thing that, you know, you consume that's not effective for you to reach your goals and then replace it with something good, right? Like I tell anybody, like, are you drinking soda? Okay, well, take soda away, just soda, for two weeks, and see if you can achieve that goal. Yeah, so I'd be you get on the other side. I'd be relapsing on the soda, man. It is. I have been wrestling with soda. I love it. Some people quit it easy. I have a brother-in-law who. Uh, he, how old is he now? He's probably like 21 or something. And he quit drinking soda at like 16. And I'm just like, good for you. It's just, I, I mean, I don't know if this is me, the whole judgment thing that you're just talking about, but I just, uh, I don't know if it's a jealousy thing. It's just more of an aware of what my own problems are. And if I have a weakness, it's, it's soda. I cannot shake the, the addiction of soda. A anything I could probably shake candy or, um, what else is not good for you? I've I've never I was just talking to some coworkers the other day about uh, McDonald's and I was like I have never had a hamburger from McDonald's. I've had the chicken only, but I've I've never had an actual like cheeseburger from a lot of uh, fast food joints. I've never had an actual cheeseburger from Wendy's. Uh, 
Jack in the Box. Uh, I've had I've had Whoppers. I Whoppers are. I don't know. I don't know why I crave Whoppers, but the moment I take a bite out of them, I'm like, this is shit, but this is what I wanted. I don't know. <laughs> Horrible quality food. I haven't had any of that shit. And I used to eat a lot. Like I used to drink two, two liters of Mountain Dew every single day. That was my that was my go to. Oh, that's was really like, bad. So how how old were you when you made this change? When you had your episode that made you shift? I'm 35, 36 years old. I mean, okay. I was 300 pounds. I'm 195 pounds now. Wow. And I've maintained that that weight loss now down to under 200 pounds for the last five years that I've been a carnivore. Do you talk about this stuff in your comedy? Yeah, I do a little bit. Um, I, I, it, it's the, some of those jokes are a work in progress. I talk Got about it. how I lost weight so that I could shit on fat people on stage. <laughs> uh, I do. I do some fat people. My my father was almost 500 pounds most of my life, and uh, I do jokes about him. They mostly see it, it, they just don't hit as funny yet. Um, I make fun of the body positivity movement. You know, they're always talking about loving their bellies and shit on TikTok, but clearly they don't yeah. love their knees. Ah, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, still working it out. Yeah. Um, um, I do I do carnivore, like, you know, people assume since I'm a carnivore that I hate vegans, but I don't hate vegans. Like, I don't know if you've heard that there's like a climate crisis and we may end up having to resort to cannibalism someday to save the planet. I only eat grass-fed meat, so as far as I'm concerned, huh. vegans are my friends. Yeah, I heard uh, they, they're getting uh, flowers now in, well, they're saying Antarctica, but they edited it and said it was like Greenland or something, and it's like a it's like a sign of global warming that flowers are blooming in oh, places where it should be frozen. Oh, global warming again, because it was global cooling when I was a kid. Really? The global cooling? This has been for decades. All it's ever done is create more tax dollars and steal more money from people. Um, it's such a bullshit lie. Here's something. How about um, weather control? Like, oh, yeah. is that sure. is that a conspiracy theory or is it more uh, of like we know kind of? We kind know. Of, we know. We know. They've admitted the HARP program and a few other different, okay. different Like, I know in places... Where they manipulate the weather. I know in, like, Abu Dhabi, they make it rain. That's an example. Yeah. But, like, uh, certain things... I, I, it's just crazy. I remember my dad. My dad is 68. And he said, man, what happened? I remember when I was a kid, they, they had, like, a... They could control the weather. Like, they could make it rain when they wanted. What happened to that? And I'm, like, younger. And I'm just, like... I don't know. And then years went by and I was like, huh, I wonder if that was a thing and they swept it under or whatever. Um, oh yeah. That's, that's, that's been happening for a while. Okay. I, think, I mean, chem, chemtrails are up there. Yeah. Bill Gates wants to block the sun from, from us because it's bad. Like these people are, these people are evil. These people are sorcerers. They're demons. <laughs> Sorry to say. How does you, how do you think, um, how about this? How about this? I don't know if this is shifting too much, but what about Jeff oh, Jeff Bezos? Do you think that guy's evil? He's a, he's an interesting one, right? Like, because Jeff Bezos started his business out of his garage. Right. right. He had very humble beginnings. People people love to throw Amazon, on, but Amazon saved books, right? Like they they started out as a book. Yeah. They were like basically library. helping people sell their sell their books online, right? And Amazon, for all the 
negative people see it for, it's still like really helps small businesses. So people see Amazon as this evil company that is like ruining real small business retailers and all this other stuff. But how many small business owners thrive because their products are being sold through Amazon? So I don't see that as being really bad for society. Um, Jeff Bezos himself, he just seems like a nerd. He got a shitload of money. And now you want, and I think when people get to a certain level of power and, 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 and riches and wealth, they can become evil. Yeah. So all bets are off as far as I'm concerned with somebody who has that much fucking money. Jesus Christ. What about Bill Gates? I hear I Bill Gates is a double. I think Bill Gates is, is a reptilian. Did he have, <laughs> did he have humble beginnings though? I don't really know about his start and everything. All I know is that Microsoft, right? Microsoft, and then now he's trying to fucking buy all the mosquitoes or something like that. Like, what? I I don't keep up. I'm surface level again. So, like... Here's a guy who created viruses so that you can get antivirus, right? Like, oh. Here's a guy, like, right? Didn't like, know that. Yeah, words matter, too, right? Now he's, like, going to get involved with COVID and this, this other quote-unquote virus. I don't even know if I believe in viruses. It's a whole other fucking podcast. But, uh, <laughs> I'm more of a terrain theory guy, but we, that's, that's a whole other thing. Um, but yeah, I think he's evil. I think he's shown us how evil he truly is. Um, mm. the last few years, I think he's in cahoots. I think when you get to a certain level of notoriety and fortune, wealth and power, you end up in this little club. Right. And then I think he's definitely, you know, in that club with the Klaus Schwabs and, you know, which are really Nazis. You know, if you go back to like what they call it, Operation Paperclip, where we took all these Nazi scientists and, and brought them over here and gave them new identities and stuff because the, the things they were working on were so big and grand and they were so smart. Right. You ever heard of Operation Paperclip? Look it up, man. I, I have heard crazy. of it, but I don't yeah. know as much as I probably should. Another thing that I probably know as much as Operation Paperclip is... Um, Fuck, what is it called? When they start giving everybody acid? What is that called? Oh, the MK Ultra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's also something. I'm um, I love that topic. Because I'm a Charles Manson freak. And uh, mm. I, like, I'm big into Charles Manson. And uh, I love that. Um, he was a big part of that. When they were, you know, they had uh, at the free clinic in, in Haight-Ashbury, there were CIA operatives there. Um, and he was going and meeting with them, and, and, and they were giving him LSD to give to his people. I think that the Manson murders were a big MK Ultra thing. You look Super back to like, interesting. Um, RFK's murder, you know, Sirhan Sirhan. I think John Lennon was an MK Ultra assassination as wow. well. What do you think about uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? You ever see that film? Oh, I love that movie. That's a great Pretty movie. Good. Yeah, yeah. The, we'll hold the whole Manson murders and stuff. Yeah, this is all actually kind of new to me because I'm a little younger. So yeah, like, growing up, I'm 28, about to turn 29 oh, yeah. pretty soon in like a, less than a month. So I remember, wait, does, does Charles Manson have a swastika tattooed on his forehead? Started out as an X. As an X. During the trial, during the Manson trial, he... But he carved an X into his forehead, and then it, he turned it into a swastika mm. um, while he was in prison. But it's interesting, though, because the swastika is 
interesting symbol. Another used to be a Buddhist thing, around. right? Yes, a Native American and Buddhist. Like there's that that symbol. So. Uh, oh man, I, I don't know how I much time you have with me. We just hit an hour. I could go a little bit longer because this is interesting I'll go as stuff. As long as you need to, but at eight, yeah. I, I gotta leave my house at eight o'clock. I gotta show tonight. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, so, we could go a little bit it. longer. I just little exhibition here. Um, I have a joke that is kind of new, but it's gonna bring it back to the whole swastika things. I just want to give you a little bit of. Uh, uh, Let's hear it. Let's hear it. So. This is a true story, by the way. <laughs> it's true. So I used to worship the devil. When I, was, nice. <laughs> when I was in middle school, I got bullied a lot. So I felt like if I let all the kids in school know that I worship the devil, it would probably freak them out and maybe they'd fuck off and leave me alone. So what I did to let everybody know that I worship the devil is that I painted a giant pentagram on my backpack. But uh, little did I know it wasn't a pentagram I drew. It was actually the Star of David. And, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, that backfired. Everybody beat the shit out of me for being a fucking Jew. And, um, what was it? No, but <laughs> I, I saw so I'm Filipino and I just remember this other Filipino kid came up to me with my star of David on my backpack and I had no idea. And he's like, Hey bro, are you Jewish? And I was like, so confused. Like, no, like scoffed and walked away. And for a whole year, I had no idea that that's, and that's how I even learned of what the fucking star of David was. It was just two triangles that's how i make it and it was like less complicated than a pentagram anyways fast forward a year later i figure it out i figure out how to actually draw a pentagram and then boom i fixed it i i'm, I'm the kid with the pentagram on his backpack and i remember um <laughs> another year i was a fucking menace dude um another year i think this is my eighth grade I'm trying to double check here like it matters. But uh, eighth grade, I had a Jewish science teacher. And I remember in his class, I drew swastikas on the back of my hands to just see if I could get a reaction or get a lecture out of him or something. And he didn't do shit. And I just remember my dad picking me up from school and seeing the swastikas on his on my arm or on the back of my hands. And he was he just like pointed at them. He was like, what's up with that? You German? And that was the end of that. Like, I didn't get a lecture. I didn't get my ass beat. But sometimes I think back at that. And I was just like, geez, like, I really just got away with that. Like, nobody gave a fuck that I had swastikas on my fucking hand. And I feel like nowadays, if somebody's kid in middle school had swastikas, they'd make news or something. Or, um, Probably true. And um, I, I got a little bit more to say about that before I forget. So, um. Ah, fucking swastikas. Yeah, even in my yearbook, like, I remember I had a German friend, and if you open up my yearbook, he just drew swastikas all over my yearbook. So my eighth grade yearbook's full of swastikas from my German friend. And, um, one more thing, one more thing, I'm trying to think. Ah, fuck, I had it, then I lost it. Something about the swastikas, um, oh yeah, there was a kid in, in, um, in, like, the county, he, um, it was, uh, it was, uh, 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 February. What is February for the black people? Uh, black history month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like black history month. So this kid like went around like giving all the black kids cotton as like a joke to try and, I don't know. And it was like newsworthy. Like, I think the kid got in like 
big time trouble or whatever. And this was like last year. Maybe it was this year during Black History Month. And all I could think is like, yeah, it's fucked up. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not supporting it. I don't think you should do that. But I'm trying to understand as, hey, man, it's just I'm, I'm a comedian. I've seen bad comics. Like, he's probably just... It's probably just a bad joke or he's just trying to make a joke unless he was like really being racist about it. And it just blew up. And a part of me feels a little bit of sympathy for the kid because it's like it's a fucking kid. And that might just like change the trajectory of his life forever. And um, I just feel like that's uh, if that was going down when I was in middle school, nobody would really bat an eye. And now it's just so it just kind of goes with that oversensitization and stuff like that. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. Whoever's <laughs> listening, whatever. <laughs> you know, kids need to learn about things that fuck up and kids are going to lash out. And, you know, nowadays we just don't let it even happen. It's just weird. It's just we're living in a weird world now. I mean, I used to get in fights like all the time in school and like now you get in fights and call the police. And yeah. You just get detention or something. Do you have kids? Yeah. You know? Uh, I have a grown son. My son's going to be 26 in November. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, but but he's out the house, huh? Yeah, he's back in Cleveland. Okay. How old's your daughter? I don't have a daughter. Just my son. Oh, oh I thought you said you had a girl and a, and a son. No, I said I have a grown son. Oh, got it. Do you... Um, do you ever sometimes wish you had more children? I, I grew up as an only child, basically. I got a half-sister, but I, I never grew up with her. My mom. Well, a long story. I wasn't in my son's life for a big chunk of his life. Um, not, not my choice. Um, uh. His mother and I. Uh, you know, we were. Uh, I was 19 when when she and I met. And, uh. You know, we had him when I was like 23. Um, but my my now wife, I've been married for 12 years. Um, we've been together for 15, and we wanted to, but it wasn't in the cards. You know, we weren't going to do a bunch of in vitro or anything. So. You know, now we're both, you know, she's 47, I'm about to be 48, so. You said in vitro? What is that? It's like when they take the sperm and the egg and then they, like, put it together, or like, in a test tube and then implant it. Got it. So, you know, just just doing that, like, all the fertility stuff and, like, you know, we we just were like, it's either going to happen organically or we're not going to do it. Right, right. So, it didn't happen organically and uh, we decided that, okay, we're going to really enjoy your money as we are (laughs) yeah my dad had me at 40 shit oh wow 40 yeah and so i don't know so what have you ever heard of this kind of theory of like uh like dogs right when they have a litter they always say that the first one that's born is always like the rut of the litter and i guess that also applies with humans you ever heard of that I've never heard of it as, as far as humans go. I mean, because we don't have litters, right? Yeah, um, but I guess, like, um, to break it down, like, when a woman has her first child, I guess, it's like it's like the, the, the test run, or it's the first version. And I guess, like, when it has its second child, it, it kind of, like, ru- brings out the kinks. It kind of works things out. And I brought this up with some of my friends, and they're like, you know what? Yeah, like the my older siblings are the ones with the most problems, and the younger it goes down, they they get more and more like better genetics and fine. And so yeah, I don't know. I mean, anecdotally speaking, my little brother and I'm the middle of three boys. My little brother's fucked up. Mm. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and me and my other brother are good to go. Hmm. But uh, like yeah. you know, um, I've not heard that 
it makes sense in some regard more with i think with raising the child than anything oh yeah that, that plays a big factor too well hey maybe you learn from you know raising your first child with the mistakes right. that you make the first time and then second time around you're like all right we're not going to punish punish him that way or whatever and i know i always notice that i always notice like growing up most of the time not all the time but most of the time the younger brother is always the cooler one or like the more has their shit together because they learn from their older brother or older sister's mistakes and maybe parenting like you said and I, so i always think about that with myself i always, I always think like if i had a younger brother maybe he'd be cooler than me or something it's, it, well, it has to go backwards too because then you go okay you know what um, we did this with the other one i was too aggressive We're, and then they let the little one get away with everything because he's the baby or whatever and then he ends up you know being reinforced that he can do whatever he wants he makes bad decisions there's never any accountability and you know it goes the opposite way so, yeah that's true that too I, I guess i'm focused a little bit too on physically i always just feel like physically the the, the, the kids look more better like when they're I don't know. It's, at least in my personal life, I don't know about the it's whole possible. world. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, you might be onto something. Maybe the Maybe. body, as far as like biologically and what it's bringing to the table when it when it develops the third, fourth, the youngest one. Yeah. It's also learned from past mistakes. Yeah, uh, That's an true. interesting concept. Yeah. Mr. Joe Bando, though it's uh, it's been an honor to have you on. Thanks again for reaching out part of the bacon yeah, community i want to just give you the floor five minutes or whatever if you got anything you want to share or a question or anything it is i really i really enjoyed this conversation man even though it wasn't well, too much comedy like which was what i was thinking it would be about but i mean that's kind of the beauty of meeting a stranger i guess you never really know what you're gonna get i was ready for anything i was ready for a intellectual conversation or just somebody fucking trolling me but uh, i'm happy with how this turned out <laughs> Well, we're comedians, so we like to talk, right? So right. I enjoy that too. And I'm always down to meet new people. I saw your your little post or whatever, and I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do a fucking podcast. I've, I've been on a few podcasts before, so that's always fun for me. Um, yeah, I, I've enjoyed this. This has been good. I mean, we definitely touched on a lot of a lot of topics in an hour. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, that's you know, um, if people want to find me, Joe Bando Comedy on Instagram, Joe Bando Comedy on YouTube. They can also go to my website, bandotalks.com. Um, that's B-A-N-D-O-T-A-L-K-S.com. Uh, it's a little bit of a work in progress. I don't know if you saw what I have going on there, um, but I'm seeing, I'm also looking to do corporate trainings. My wife and I are kind of combining forces to train corporations about mindset and managing and communications and sales and things like that. And then also like keynote speaking stuff for my wife and I as well. And, uh, nice. yeah, that's what I got going on, man. And hopefully maybe I can, you know, now that we know each other, maybe I will come up to the Bay Area. We can do a show together or something. Yeah, I was just about to say that. If I'm ever in Orange County, I'll definitely hit you up. Um, I, I'll, I'll keep in touch with you, man. I made a new friend today. Um, yeah. I'm, you're definitely. welcome to come on the podcast in the future as well. And, um, yeah, if you're ever in the Bay Area, hit me up. I'd love to just meet up and do a show with you or whatever. Yeah, I haven't been there since being – I used to go up all the time because I had some, like I said, some really good friends up there, and I haven't yeah. been up since the lockdowns. Oh, I'm let me glad ask – I wasn't up there during the lockdowns, let me tell you. Let me ask this. So 
the Alameda Comedy Club, which used to be called Scabies, you said? Scabs? Well, Scobies. Scobies. We used to call it Scabies because it was. It ended up getting shut down because there was like two stabbings within a few days of each other. What? It used to be the place. That place is a nice area, though. It's one of the nicest areas I've ever been in the Bay for comedy. Yeah, Alameda is really, really nice, but that that was the spot that all the pieces of shit would go hang out. Wow. And they would go, they, we, and like, if you came to Lucky 13 and I was at the door and I didn't like you, I'd tell you to go to Scobie's. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't so want trouble in my bar. Did, did management change or anything? Like, do you know Patrick Ford? Uh, uh, briefly, I'm glad I met that guy, and he is too woke for his own good. Too um, woke for his own good. <laughs> Yeah, he's totally a pandering douchebag as far as I'm concerned, but I wouldn't mind doing the club, but um, that's just because I, I like to do comedy. In Alameda, I could probably bring up, if I, if I were to perform there, I could probably bring a group of people to come out and see me because it's Alameda. I lived there for 10 years. Yeah. But I would say, uh, yeah, what was I saying? Um, I, I was asking um, the owners, like, so ha- did he just start? Oh, so, yeah. so yeah, he's just, I think he just bought the place. Got and it. turned it around from what it used to be because it was it was Scobies and then they got shut down and they couldn't serve alcohol anymore because they would turn into like a nightclub on the weekends and that's when the trouble would arise. Right. And then they were just like a sports bar that had no bar. They were just a restaurant for a while after that. And then I think they got shut. I think they shut down completely from the lockdowns, if I remember correctly. Man, I know how that feels. I freaking I was running a show slash open mic for about nine months today. Today's Thursday. Oh yeah, today would have been my show, but instead I'm doing this podcast, which is honestly I'm fine with. Today is the first month in nine or ten months where I didn't do it, and so basically what happened there was a shooting at my venue. And um, they they what cha- uh, it, it's called Monica's Riverview in Antioch. Okay. Uh, it's kind of it's fairly oh, new. Antioch, yeah, I know where it's at. Antioch. Yeah, and so um, the place closed at nine. It was every la- like every fourth Thursday of the month, and the place already closed at nine, which is kind of early for if you're gonna do a comedy show. So I was already kind of wrestling with that. And it just wasn't really in the favor for like other comics to go out there because of like traffic and things like that. Um, but then the shooting happened and, and then they closed at eight. And so the last show I had last month, I closed at eight and like barely anybody showed up. Um, I felt bad. I had a comic come all the way from Oakland. There was like uh, probably like strangers, like people who I didn't know that showed up, maybe like five and then maybe like close to 10 of my personal people that just came to support. And so uh, closing at eight really kind of killed it for me. I need to like talk and I don't, I don't know if I'm going to go back and try to do like a weekend gig or something. It just feels nice to take a break and just, I kind of want to just focus on doing comedy rather than like hosting and having my own event. Also, that just, was the yeah. greatest thing about not, not producing shows anymore. I'm so glad I don't do it because now all I focus on is my comedy. You're, producing you worry about oh where's the headliners are you gonna get here on time yeah. how many tickets are sold all this other shit and you forget to even have to do comedy half the time i mm-hmm. i don't miss producing shows at all i have a new respect for it though i don't regret doing it 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 really oh, especially agree, early yeah. it puts it puts a perspective and it makes me respect producers even though what you said about patrick ford and all that i'm gonna keep my mouth shut because i want to perform there <laughs> but um i 
I still give it credit. It's a lot of work, man. It's a lot of work to do that well, shit. The thing is, like, I don't, you know, I don't have anything against the guy. I just yeah. think from online perspective, like the things that I see him say, and yeah. he engaged with me at one point and was kind of a dick about something, and I forget what it was, but it was when he first opened, and uh, I just like, I was like, whatever. But like, you know, in, in real life, I, I get along with the guy. I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can't judge people off of the online stuff. I think I've, too many of us do that. I've heard other comics stuff. say some things. Um, but like I, I guess I'm being a bitch because I, they seem to like me there. <laughs> I don't want to mess know, it up. <laughs> I know a couple. I know a couple big name headliners. I'm not gonna say their names because yeah. I'm not because because they're too big. I'm not gonna say their names. Got they, it. That have done spots there and they shit all over that club. Really? So, <laughs> yeah. I'm new. I'm I'm, I'm a fucking white belt in comedy. So any comedy club that I can get into, I'm happy. I have like small term goals of like. Uh, I want to do punchline. I want to do cobs and improv, but but those are just small goals. Little. Well, I did I did a mall improv once. I opened up for Jack Junior. This uh, one comedian at the Brea Improv in front of 500 people. That was my biggest show to date. I want more of that. That was amazing. And I've been on stage at the Comedy Store, the main stage, three times. Oh, nice. On the Kill on the Kill Tony podcast. Are you familiar with Kill Tony? Oh, I fucking love Kill Tony, dude. You oh, so like the early days, huh? Yeah, when it was at the store, I was on three times. Really? Oh, you got to message me those episodes. I got to check that out. Um, I, you know what? Actually, I just I, I just clipped them out recently, and I've been meaning to put them on my YouTube. Oh, I'll okay. Send the I'll yeah, yeah. The, send me your YouTube. I'll give you a sub. Um, dude, I yeah. did comedy once at this small bar, and um, this guy came up to me. He liked my set, and he was talking, and he seemed really interested in comedy. And I asked him, like, have you ever done comedy? And and he said, he kind of hesitated. He was all like, uh, have you heard of a show called Kill Tony? And the only time he's ever done comedy was at Cobbs, I think, on Kill Tony. And, and Oh, and they toured or whatever? Yeah. He ki- yeah, but he killed it. I remember why. He had a right. good interview. Yeah, he did really good. And so when I was talking to him about it, he was like, I'm just so nervous, man. I just got to get over. I got to stop being a bitch and just get out there. I'm like, bro, you did kill Tony. Like, it doesn't get any worse than that. Like, if the you... The most terrifying thing a comedian can do is get yeah. I actually went to Austin last year to put my name in the in the hat, but I didn't get out there. Um, I was just... I'm, I'm planning my Austin trip now. I'm going out in January. Oh, shit. Doing a bunch luck. of shows out there. I just talked to... Before we got on our podcast, not too long, I talked to Troy Conrad. He's the photographer for the mothership oh yeah i know some people out there too um and there's a lot of there's a lot of bay area comedians who moved out there and i see them doing their thing so it's exciting for that stuff yeah we lost a lot of la comedians when they went out there and Mm. i couldn't be happier have you ever been to austin (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's on my list. It's, it's January, um, so. I'll say this. I mean, if you like comedy, and obviously you do, and it's, that's it's that's cool. But besides that, there's nothing to fucking do out there. And it almost seems, from my experience when I went out there, and this is like almost a year ago, it just seems so over over um, saturated with so many people with that dream to move out there. And it's yeah. just it's just a big C, and I wouldn't even call it competition. I would just call it like a nuisance. Like I would hate to be hitting open mics in Austin, and and you're probably like twentieth in line, and you got to put up with so many fucking people, like more than usual. That just I don't know if they're, I, I don't I don't want to say delusional. That seems kind of mean, but just 
Just flop. Sounds like LA. Just fucking Sounds flop. like LA. Yeah. God. I, mean, Austin, I know a lot of people who went out to Austin, and then I know a few who went out to Austin and came back and basically said the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, there's just too many fucking people out there. It's saturated. Yeah. It, but if you, can get, if you can get past at like the mothership, like you're, you're, you're fucking gold. Some of the people uh, that, that get past that work there, I mean, just it, I mean, it's it's comedy. You know how it is. Like you're working and you don't get as much recognition or whatever. But there's some people who are straight up killers, and they are they're working like they're working really hard. And I don't. I mean, if it's what you love, go for it. Um, you know who Brian Holtzman is? Of course, he's dude, a fucking legend. Big fucking fan, dude. And he's doing his fucking thing out there. And like, I I, I don't know, man. I I <laughs> he's the only person that I see out there. Like, man, he doesn't even seem like he's getting his due credit. And he's not a nobody, you know. Um, like he's one of the people. I'm, I, I'm sad he moved because I've seen him so many times at the store. Oh, and wow. like he goes back and forth, though I hear. He he does, but he was there all the time. So like mm. anytime I go to the store and go sit in the OR, like he'd come out late night. Like and he was a late night guy. That's like to yeah. me, that's the fun, cringy part of the store. Right. And you're in the OR and like after the biggest like, Rogan just finishes and he's the biggest guy of the night. And then here comes the late night guys. And like, you got Sam Tripoli and you got fucking Holtzman and you had Brody fucking Stevens. God rest his soul. R.I.P. Oh, yeah. God. Fuck. Yeah. Um, All right, man, I'm going to get ready to get out of here and go work on these new fucking jokes tonight. Good luck to you, man. Yeah. Thanks again. It's Thank an you. honor. Yeah. Uh, I'll keep in touch, man. You, you take care. All right, brother. Take care, man. Good, good chat. You too. See ya. Oh!